Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of all combat sports, the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good. Uh, you're looking good, Ken. How's the training going for Tokyo Marathon? You look ready to go there, kid. You're moving around. Um, what do you got? About two weeks, right? About two weeks to go? Yeah, 13 days. I fly over on uh, this coming Sunday, so five days from when the episode goes live. But you know what's funny is just like any training camp, right? You push yourself as hard as you can throughout training camp. And if you've done it all correctly, with about a week to go, you're right on that razor's edge of being injured or being as fit as you can possibly get. Because to push your body to yeah, the yeah, limit you to want get it as time fit as right. possible. Yeah. You don't want to leave anything. So now I'm like, like, like we say, you don't want to leave it in the gym. You, you, don't, you yep. don't want to leave it on the road. I get it. So I, right as, of course, with a week to go, this happened to me before New York too. I've got like little nagging injuries. I got a tight hamstring. Sometimes with a run, with a lot of distance running, you get like tight glute muscle. The glute muscle is so big. If it's not working perfectly, it starts recruiting hamstring and hip flexors. So my hamstring I don't hear excuses is coming. Up. I don't hear. <laughs> no, uh, no, no excuses. Uh, 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 no excuses. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's start again. No, no excuses. Let's start again. How you? I'm on the let's edge. Let's start again. How you feel? You look great, champ. How you feeling, champ? My fitness couldn't be better. Uh -huh. Now I just got to rest and get right. There it is. My fitness is incredible. There it is. Good, good. You know, and a big part of that reason, Teddy... AG1 for all your health and wellness needs. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. Go take advantage of the special offer they have for our listeners. 10 free travel packs with your first purchase, and I'll be using those travel packs in Tokyo the whole time I'm there. This stuff has got 75 whole food source ingredients, so even if you're eating the healthiest diet, Athletic Greens will make sure you got all your vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics. It's got everything you need. No need for a multivitamin. Drink them all with Athletic Greens. One scoop in the morning with 10 ounces of water. Boom, you're done. You've got all your nutrients and minerals that you need. And Teddy, I know how much you appreciate a lot of nutrients. Oh, yeah, listen, we all need them. We all need them. The most important thing is the mind. But you know what? That's right. It helps the mind too. It helps, it, help, it helps the mind too. People forget that sometimes. They say, yeah, it helps the body. And they always hear Teddy talking about 75% of its mental, you know, the strongest muscle we have, the most important muscle is our brain. But the proper That's nutriment, right. obviously it, it, helps, uh, it helps the brain. So yeah, I mean, you, you, you're helping yourself in every way you can with your diligent work, your, your you know, your mental attitude, the, the ethic that you have, but bringing what you have to bring into your body, uh, the right things. So Athletic Greens is one of the many things that can really help you, and it's, it is. It's a good product. And while you're, in, while you're over there in Tokyo, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on. We're going to preview the big fight coming from Vegas in the heavyweight fight with maybe the greatest UFC fighter of all time, John Jones against Gaon. It's going to be an unbelievable match. Just, just incredible. It's got so many elements to it. But um, just since we're talking real quick about Tokyo, while you're in Tokyo, I'm going to be in Vegas with the man, Charlie Monaghan, the director of all things UFC and um, beyond. But UFC is one of his specialties. He's the best in the business. I'm going to be there in Vegas with him, Anthony Smith, all the, you know, all the great people that work uh, with the UFC, with ESPN over there. And um, 
I'll be over there. Yeah, yeah. If, if anyone, any of our fans who are going to be in Vegas, Teddy will be on the floor of the MGM Grand Casino Resort and Casino from 1 p.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. local time in Vegas till 5 p.m. Recording segments for ESPN with the great Anthony Smith and a bunch of the other US, UFC personalities, like you said, with the legend Charlie Moynihan, uh, producer extraordinaire. So if you're in Vegas and you're around MGM between 1 and 5, stop by and see Teddy. Please don't interrupt if he's recording a segment, but in between segments, love to he'd love to see all the fans. Take some and please pictures don't and say where's Ken, please, because you already. Please, you gotta, because I'm. No, no. Everyone thinks please, I'm such a hard, hard, ask him, hard guy, Ken? but I, I'm sensitive. I'm sensitive too. I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive. A little bit. <laughs> if you ask him where's Ken, you're not getting a picture. No, no but it, but if you have a copy of Teddy's book, which you can get the audio book on Audible, you get a signature and a picture. So check out Teddy's audio book on Audible. Order the hard copy on um, Amazon and support the local legend. Um, that'll be fun, though, Teddy. I wish I was going to yeah, be there. I, I would love to see that fight in person. That would have been perfect That's a to have you and Rob out there. I mean, we could have just to meet with our fan base there with all our great um, podcast uh, you know, fans. Subscribers. subscribers. We have 280,000 of them right now and and if you're not a subscriber, expect Teddy to and then towards a expect Teddy to take you expect Teddy to grab your phone and make sure you're an actual subscriber if you want to take well, a picture. I, That's a prerequisite. What I accurately do is I'll grab your phone and I'll, I'll bring over Anthony Smith or one of the people who are technology, um, you know, uh, savvy. savvy or Charlie Monahan or Joe Rogan or or Mike Bisbane or anyone I can grab. Uh, I'll. <laughs> Bring him over and say, hey, make sure he's subscribed, please, because, you know, uh, anything uh, computer-written, uh, computer-driven, I, I have a little bit of a problem with, but please get him up and running here on our podcast. But it's pretty easy. You know it's what? It's pretty I easy, actually. Yep. I can even Very tell easy. people. I tell them, listen, it's on all, all the iTunes platforms. But the easiest way that I can explain it is go on your phone, go on YouTube, and just put in the fight with Teddy Atlas. It pops up and then hit subscribe. And I stand there over their shoulder making sure they hit subscribe. <laughs> I said, no, no, you didn't hit subscribe. I love it. You didn't hit subscribe. You go, no, no, Teddy, I got, no, no, you got to hit subscribe. And then, and then they're released. <laughs> That's it. You know what I was thinking though, for one, uh, because you're working at the UFC event, one of the fights I'd actually love to go see in person, maybe we can figure out a way to do this, me, you and Rob, is to go see the um, Ryan Garcia Tank uh, Tank Davis fight. That would be That'd great. That'd be a fun yeah, one that, to We're going to have person. Ryan Garcia on before that fight. That's and, right. Um, that would be great. Maybe we could work that out. That'd be great. And one of the reasons I'm all excited about going to Vegas, I get to see my son. And um and my and my grandson, so uh, my son will be with me too, uh, when I'm there with uh, with my man Charlie and everybody. So it'll just be you know. Teddy is one of bonus. my fa Teddy Junior. Teddy Junior is one of my favorite people to watch the fights with. We had a blast at the Poirier Chandler fight up in the ESPN box. So uh, I'll miss seeing him that time. But Ryan Garcia, if you're listening, when you come on, expect me to hit you up for tickets. I know Teddy won't, but I will. I'm not too proud no, to beg. No, no, we're not going to so. ask for tickets. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but we'd love to go to the fight. Yeah. Uh, we, we listen. We we will do what we have to do. We'll get tickets. We'll do whatever we got to do. 
Um, That's a good point. Yeah, we'll do whatever we have to do. If if uh, you have to go and sign autographs for twelve straight hours to, you know, <laughs> to make a deal. With I don't the, think there's enough people in the world to take up twelve hours of my time that'd be interested. But I'll definitely do anything required. Hey. Um, Quiet weekend on the fight front, small UFC card, but a hell of a fight over in, uh, what was it, the home of uh, Robin Hood in Nottingham Forest. Uh, Lee Wood. You know, Nottingham, uh, that's, like you said, that's where Robin Hood came from. That's where, you know, they steal from the rich, they give to the poor. But over there, and we'll get into it more when you see the scorecards of that fight, if it had gone to the scorecards. But what the scorecards were when it got stopped in the seventh, uh, the end of the seventh round, uh, obviously it's... They've they've changed their policies over there from given to the taken from the rich and given to the poor. Now they just steal from anybody who comes over there trying to take a a title uh, from you know the local guy. I mean, really, I I guess they've learned from the rest of boxing, you know, uh, the judging in place over there that you rob from the traveling fighter the the. Uh, not you know the house fighter has the strength the champion has the strength the home fighter has the strength the fighter with the promoter has the strength uh obviously they stayed consistent with that philosophy because they were going to rob the crap out of lara if his fist didn't do the judging for him i mean it's, we'll get into it again but when we give you those scorecards uh man it's 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 a disgrace i mean two of them had it two points that's okay but <laughs> the other one had it like like a shutout and um just about well not quite a shutout but i mean had it really huge in favor of of wood who was fighting a great fight but um and it became controversial at the end there's no doubt about it but man Nottingham, no longer where they steal from the rich and give to the poor. Now they just steal from anybody who comes over there <laughs> with a title. They just take it from them or they make sure that they never get it unless yeah. they do it themselves with their own bare fists. And that's exactly what Mr. Lara did. What a friggin' fight. My God, these guys. Lee Wood and both of these guys have been in some battles. Um, Tremendous crowd Lara again, the, uh, Ken. Tremendous. Always, uh, always Listen, in when the I UK. die, Ken, I want to come back as a British promoter and make a zillion dollars. Because, <laughs> really, because you make a zillion dollars, you come back as a British boxing promoter because of the fans. Because of the fans across the pond, they are so freaking, they're great boxing fans, and they're so loyal to their fighters. They, they just, they come out. They come out, like, they don't come out as regularly over here the way that they do over there. I mean, they'll come out over here if it's a mega fight, you know, and if, to, if you set it up the right way in a local area with a local fighter, especially back in the day, they used to do that a little bit more, not so much anymore. But if you get, if you, if you'd have to almost have, you almost have to have like an epic match over here now to get those kind of crowds. I mean, it's, it's rare, you know, again, you get them. I mean, you filled out Madison Square Garden with the two, two ladies that was tremendous with the two women fighters, you know, Kate Taylor and Serrano. Uh, they filled out Madison Square Garden. It was a great fight. And, but 
it happens on a much more regular basis across the pond. Um, yeah. This was a super interesting fight because Mauricio Lara, he's only 24 years old, Teddy. He's had 29 fights. He's 26, 2 and 1. Well, when did he turn victory. pro? I mean, over there in Mexico, they turned pro at 15, 6. I mean, look at, look at Canelo. He, he turned pro when he, he was 15. 15 or 16. Teddy, he, he's, 16. he's 24 years old. He had his first pro fight eight years ago. Yeah. He fought at 16 yeah, in 2015. How did I know that? How did I know that? Without even and, seeing it. <laughs> and the. And the crazy thing is he lost a split decision in his first fight. In his, look, about seventh or eighth fight, he got knocked out by a guy named Elliot Chavez, who was 5-1-1. One, one. Since then, he's been, a, he's been a one-man. Yeah, yep. he was too young. He beat, he, he stopped Josh Warrington in the rematch. He got a cut over his eye in the uh, halfway through the third round. And then he's been knocking out everyone since. I mean, he, yeah, he, he's, he's been a one-man wrecking ball. Goes over to Nottingham. Should have was being set up obviously for a loss unless he lands that beautiful left hook i think he probably would have got to wood eventually the way he fights lara seems to like wear them down but you know uh lee wood who's 34 years old and has the same exact amount of fights um 10 years older coming off the uh destructive knockout in the last round 12th round against mick conlin They had him up. They had him up, Teddy. 58-56 on two scorecards. 59-55 on yeah, another. Now, terrible. to be fair, I wasn't. I wasn't scoring it as we it was went. Was a close along. fight any way you but look I mean, at it, Ken? I thought Wood 100%. was probably up a little bit, but but either way you looked at it, it was a close fight. But they when he was never the only way Lara was getting out of there with the win. Let's be honest, was with a knockout. Even then, he'd be lucky to get a split decision. So Unless Robin Hood showed up and put an arrow in, and then to <laughs> yeah, because he was a marksman with that arrow. <laughs> now I'm just saying he'd have to put one into the hands. See, he could do it. He could put it right between the fingers of the judges as they were moving their pencil. Just if he saw they were moving their pencil a little bit the wrong way, what? He, he hit him with an arrow. Robin Hood did show up. His name, his name this in this case, was Ben Davison. Oh, that's true. Ben that's Davidson. a good point. That's, uh, Not only did he good, throw in good, the good towel, segue, he hit right the ref. There. Perfect. <laughs> he hit the ref right in the face with it. Um, listen, I, and I, we'll, we'll get into this debate, uh, but... Lara hits him with a beautiful left hook. When you see him hit the deck, I was surprised that, uh, to Lee Wood's credit, that he was even able to get up because he, I mean, that was a knockout shot, stiffened him. And uh, to Lee Wood's credit, he got dropped against Conklin. Mickey Conlon, he got dropped against Conlon early in that fight too, and then he came back and knocked out. So let's not forget that, his history. He came back and he knocked out Conlon late in that fight. He got dropped early. So, you know, if he was... If he was given a chance to continue here, who's to say that he couldn't have came back? Because that's a little bit of his mo. That's a little bit of his well, style. I was going to say there was only he comes back. I think there was less than ten seconds left, if I'm not mistaken, in the round. Yeah. But Ben Davison throws in the towel, and yeah, this is crazy. where it gets controversial, it right? Because people are saying the British press saying it's controversial. Listen, I think it's I, controversial. I agree I, with them, but more on the side, more on the side that his own guy stopped it where maybe it shouldn't have been stopped maybe uh we'll have to we're yeah. gonna take that apart a little bit but you can make an argument that he stopped it too early especially with only seconds left in the round you know give him a chance to get back to the corner and recover and then you still got the option you still got the option in the corner to stop it if you don't look right to you you, you could still do that but when you stop it with 
10 seconds left, uh, you take away that option. Davidson knows his guy better than you or me or any of the fans. He was in camp with him for eight weeks. Maybe something happened. Maybe he's aware of some info we're not aware of. You know, he... He, he's privy to information about his fighter that we're not. Uh, and he's there. Yeah. He's there live in person, seeing what he's seeing, you know, reacting to it. But at, at first blush, at first blush, it really, it really does. And this is a lifetime boxing guy telling you this. It looks like, hey, maybe, maybe, you know, you could have waited uh, again. It, it was 10 seconds, 13 seconds. By the time they separated them, because Lara had snuck up real close looking to jump on him, the referee would have had to send them back to a neutral corner. That would have killed another three, four seconds. There might have been like... And there was only... I just checked. There was less than 10 seconds yeah, so left when he threw the towel By the time they in. separated them and he sent them back to the corner, there might have been five seconds or so left. Look, by the time he walked across the ring, there might have been two seconds left. Could he land a devastating punch in two? Yes, it's possible. But, but outside of that, um, I'm confused by Davidson stopping I think it. to your point, Teddy, you could... It, depending on what your agenda is, you could argue either way for this one. That was a vicious shot, but I agree. 10 seconds, like, give the guy benefit of the doubt. To your point, he came back against Mick Conlon, but do you protect the guy? What if he does take that devastating no, shot? No, no, but, you but, know, but I, this I, is listen, a dangerous but game. But, Ken, if, if it right. happens with a minute left in a, in a round, I'm, I'm with you. If it happens with two minutes, of course, left, whatever. You know, but... Maybe even with 40, 30 seconds, maybe, maybe. But with, with less than 10 seconds and with the scenario I just described, that by the time they separate him and he goes back and he walks back, there might be like, he might literally be like two seconds left. Get him in the corner. Revive him. See, see how yeah. he reacts. Look at his. Let the doctor look at him. Look at his pupils. Look at his eyes. You know, see, see if he's there. If he's there with you, and if he's recovered enough, and then you, you make a decision. Then you can always stop it. You could stop it there. You could let him go out and see how he does. But anyway, uh, you can't do any of that now because of the decision that Ben Davidson made by you know, putting the finality on it by stopping the fight. But let's go and uh let's go and break this one down. Do you want to say anything before I start breaking it down? No, no, no. That's that's perfect setup. I think we've set it up nicely. It was a really entertaining fight as both of these guys yeah, always well, deliver. No, and it was then, a great know, fight. I thought in, it was uh, a terrific fight. Stoppage. I thought it was a terrific fight. It reminded me a little bit like when we were kids. Remember, Ken? And you had a party going on at your friend's house and their parents would show up a little earlier than they were supposed to and they ruined the whole party. Well, Ben Davidson was that parent. Ben, 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 ben Davidson was that guy. You know, he, he ruined the party. Now, again. I, he was, I, he but, was Robin Hood yeah, for uh, Lara, though. Yeah, he was Robin Hood for the, for the other guy. Exactly. Uh, maybe he hasn't read his history about Nottingham real well, um, that he didn't get the script right, uh, how it's supposed to work, really, uh, when you're actually from there. But, look. He thought he was doing the right thing. You have to say that. So uh, as far as the fight, uh, 
good give and take, ebbs and flows. Um, I had, I'll tell you, it came down to the longer, taller wood. He was pouring with his jab, pushing with his jab, measuring, using the jab, his left jab more as a measuring rod to kind of control range, to stay out of range, and to try to set up counters against Lara. You know, Lava's got this style where maybe he thought he, he's coming forward, he's predictable, he could walk him into a counter. And he did, to Wood's credit. He, he couple times he walked him into right uppercuts, he walked him into some counter left hooks, good right hands. So he did walk him into a few counters. Um, and that was his strategy. The problem with one of the liabilities of Wood is that he stands really erect really straight uh very much like the prototypical old old old-fashioned prototypical british fighter where they would stand straight up real pretty you know and and real they were known as good boxers and and pretty looking you know in a way that statuesque you know stand straight up and put a boxing clinic on the only problem when you stand straight up like that is guess what punches up top can find the target because you are straight up and very much in line wood is kind of has that british sort of style again with being straight up kind of like frank bruno if you will one of the popular british fighters from uh the 90s 80s whatever it was the heavyweight um even jimmy watt uh jimmy watt uh james watt uh, is it Watt or Watts? He, he was their great lightweight champion back in the 70s and the 80s. Terrific lightweight champion. He stood straight up. So the British has a history of having some of their fighters stand up in that straight way. And Wood, Wood kind of falls into line with that. And again, it's a liability because when you're standing straight up, stuff's going to find you that's thrown from down under. Or, you know, when you chuck something... When you chuck something, you know, uh, in in that direction, there's there's not a lot of head movement, and the when you catch him, you could catch him very clean, and obviously got caught clean. But his plan was Woods' plan was to box to control the outside, look for the counter shots. He was doing it pretty good, and then if Lawrence was to put pressure on, you know, to come forward. And to look to land that terrific left hook in the Mexican tradition. He's got a terrific left hook. And as the fight was going on, there was a period where it looked like, it looked to me like Lava was starting to take over. Like he was going to be too physically strong. A little too physically strong for Wood. He was going to the body, shaking him to the body, going to the head. And then to the credit of Wood... He changed it around. Like a little while later, he'd land a big right hand. And it kind of came down to his right hand, his straight right hand, his being wood, against the left hook of Lara. Came down to those power punches on each side. And it was very interesting the way I was looking at it that way. And it also came down to some of the most simplistic things in combat sports. It came down to who's got the better chin and who's the better puncher? They were both good punchers, both of them. 
I would say Lara had a little edge of being physically stronger and maybe a little bit better puncher, but they both got each other's attention. They both had shaken each other during the course of the fight up to the seventh round. And then it came down to the chins because you could find both of them. You could hit both of them. And maybe both of them got see both of them good chins, but maybe a little better chin on the side of Lara. Just a little bit better maybe. And at the end of the day, as the fight was progressing, like I said, what made it so interesting and so good was the ebbs and flows. And what made it a little easier to follow was that each one of them took turns, shake, turns shaking the other. And it made it very simplistic and almost in, almost in following the fight in where Lara would, Lara would be in charge going to the body and he went to the body more he was a guy who he really dedicated to the body and he did a lot of damage down there where he'd be going to the body he'd be looking to take over a little and then all of a sudden wood would land the right hand and visibly shake him enough just enough to tell you okay okay he he's now taking control of the fight now like it became a a very divided very red clear line of when the fight was changing paces you know what i mean ken when the when the fight yeah. was changing gears when one guy was taking control over the other it became so the so clear that again the dividing line that made it so apparent was that each one would shake the other and then you say okay now it's his turn and then all of a sudden the next round the okay it's his turn and i found that very interesting to follow because it was happening on a pretty regular basis and then the end of this the end of the seventh round with a fight that up uh, the last couple rounds leading up to the seventh it looked like Wood was starting to be a little more consistent, which it had been Lara earlier. But now it looked like Wood was starting to shake him a little, had shaken him a couple of times, a little more consistently in rounds to give himself a lead, where I thought he had a little lead, you know, one or two points maybe, but just just a nice little lead. And at any moment it could change. Because it had shown us that already. The pattern of the fight had shown us that it could change in a heartbeat. Uh, it could change on a punch in a moment. And it did. The end of the round, 10 seconds left, whatever it was, he catches him a left hook. Now, here's the thing. Lava's got a beautiful left hook. And the reason why his got there before, they were both thrown left hooks. And there's an old saying, don't hook with a hooker. And... The reason, people never explain what that means. It's just that you don't hook with a hooker. The, the other guy's got a better hook, I guess. But why is it? Lara's, I'm going to explain, break down to you what makes Lara so good and and better in this on this particular night where they were both throwing the hook and his got there first because his is coming on a different trajectory. It, it's, it's coming on a different angle where Wood is throwing a nice left hook, but it's more of a traditional, conventional one where the elbow comes up and where it's the same height as the shoulder and it comes around. And it comes around where if your glove is there, the glove might catch it. 
This one by Lara, he threw it differently. He morphed it a little bit, where he threw it almost with a little bit of a trajectory of, of a little bit of an uppercut, a little bit, where he changed the direction where instead of the conventional with the elbow up, he had the elbow lower. There's different ways. You know the old saying, there's more ways than one to skin a cat. Well, there's more ways than one to throw a hook. And he had the elbow down. Here's the, here's the screen. Here's the, yep. here's the video. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. Beautiful, beautiful. He had the elbow down. And look at it. See, the elbow wasn't as high. And when he threw it, he threw it with a trajectory where his trajectory, and I'm glad we have a picture of it, the trajectory that Lara threw it with on what I'm explaining and describing, it got to the tip of the chin, where Woods was aimed for more of the center, the higher part of the chin. You see the difference there, Ken? Where it's coming for the tip of the chin. Guess what's not at the tip of the chin? The glove of Wood is not at the tip. It's, It's deeper. The glove is deeper. Where if it was a traditional hook, it would have caught the glove. But throwing the hook where he did, it's not traditional. It's, like I said, he... He changed the angle just enough to throw it at the tip of the chin where he could catch an area that was naked, an area that was uncovered by the chin. That's what made the difference. That's why you don't hook with a hooker. That's why you don't hook with Lara because Lara's hook has a PhD in it. It has a PhD. It's a little more advanced. And that's why it got there. And you could see what was shocked because all he remembered probably was I'm throwing a left hook and bang the next thing I'm on the floor and he he gets dropped by that left hook so that is the anatomy of a left hook right there and in particular uh Lara's left hook it was brilliant it was brilliant it was beautiful what happens after that is the controversial that evokes all the controversy because now he gets up, he behaves like a fighter, like a champion, wants to keep his belt, he's home. He gets up, behaves like a champion, and suddenly, shockingly, Ben Davidson, his corner guy, throws the towel in. And again, we've gone over this already, but real quick, only seconds left by time. And, and if you notice, Lara was up close, so the referee would have turned around before, before he let them continue fighting. The referee would have had to push him back. He would have had to push him back to his corner, and it would have gave him a couple more seconds. And who knows? By the time he walked back to Woods, it, it, the, fight, the round would have been just about over. And watch, watch, he said, now look how close Lara is. Now he turns around. He would have had to push him back. Now the towel came in, but he would have had to push Lara back, and to my point. Yep. And that would have taken another two seconds, another three seconds right there. He would have had to send him back to the neutral corner. Then he would have had to walk all the way back, which would have taken time. Who knows? The bell might have rung before he ever got there, but it doesn't matter. Because the towel comes in. Now, let's look at him. Ken, you made a good point here. And I want to give your point some some play here. Now, you said that, you know, he was wobbled by the punch. Yeah, he was. And he went back. But to me, he's okay. To me, you know, at first you said, well, he went back and he kind of fell on the rope. But to me, he placed his hands on the rope and he was like asking, what the freak is going on? Like right now, like what the hell are you doing? 
doing? What are you doing? So I'm going to argue. I, I, and I get your point, Ken. At first you were saying, well, maybe it was a little wobbly. I don't think so. I, I Yes, yes, I agree he was caught a hell of a shot. I agree he was hurt. He was shaken like fighters are shaken and hurt. And sometimes they survive, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. But he wasn't given that chance. And was he That's in the right. worst condition of a fighter I've ever seen that gets up in that kind of situation? No, not even close. Not even close. I, I Again, I take it that he had been hurt, but not even close to where he was stumbling all over the ring and he couldn't defend himself. So, look, Ben Davidson made himself the focal point. At first, you say, wow, compassion, compassion. We need compassion in this world. We need compassion in this sport. Okay, beautiful. But then after you think about it a little bit, Hey, this isn't, you know, it's not the ballet, right? Uh, you know, the, this isn't, you know, it's not the opera, right? And uh, they know the risk. Part of being a champion is taking the risk and overcoming the risk and finding a way. You could make an argument. His trainer didn't give him a chance to find a way. Didn't give him a chance to find a way. And now here's the thing that I have a question about and I want to discuss with you a little bit. Ben Davidson's background. I don't know it. This is all I know about it. And then you give me your, your spiel. I, all I know about it is he came out of nowhere. He suddenly showed with up. With Tyson Fury. With Tyson Fury. He suddenly showed up after Tyson Fury had been in a spiral, a, a terrible spiral, you know, to, to hell where he had where he had been involved with drugs and alcohol and, and de terrible depression, and he came out of it, and then he fought Wilder, which, he, which the rest is history. He, he pulled off the draw, and then later in the, comp, in the rematch, he knocked him out, and then he became a, a zillionaire uh, and, a, and a famous, famous, famous fighter, and, and Tyson Fury became more than that. He, he became a, a great story. He became he, more than even a great story. He, he became somebody when you're down to look at as an example and say hey it's never over it's never over don't give up on yourself don't give up you can still do it you can still be a champion look at Tyson Fury so it's been a tremendous journey for Tyson Fury but as far as I know Ken Ben Davidson this guy he shows up all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, in the corner for Tyson Fury in his comeback fight against Wilder after he'd been off for about two years, you know, dealing with all the demons he was dealing with. And it was he was kind of introduced as his friend and his life coach, like, like a guy that was helping him get his life back, that was helping him through his depression and then he was gone he they wouldn't have fight they fight a draw i don't know if he lasted one more fight or that was the end of it but then fury got rid of him he's gone and and then all of a sudden he shows up with another big name fighter and all of a sudden he's got a next thing you know a star is born basically next thing you know he's got a career he's with big name fighters like he never worked his way up he uh, now look look I'll be the first one to say, okay, if you give me the information, I'm the first to admit, that's all I know about him. I don't know more about his history. What is or what isn't? I don't know if he had a, a history of boxing. The little I know, he didn't. He just showed up the way I just described it. And bang, he's in a big money. He's in a big fights. You know, he's got that big responsibility out of nowhere. You know, where normally the... 
the road you would take as in the amateurs, you maybe you were obviously you were a fighter is a good way yourself. Then then you or whatever. Then you're in the amateurs. Then you work your way up. You train in amateurs. You work your way up to train in pros. You know you you go through the steps. You go through the process. Yeah, you, you you go you go through what anybody would go through in any job. You know, whether it's sports, baseball, basketball, or it, there's an apprenticeship. It seems like there was none of that with him. Like I said, bang, he's there. Um, do you know any more about his history that I just put out there that, that there is more of a history that I'm not aware of? No, that's exactly what I know. And I always thought it was strange, too, because when he started working with uh, Tyson, he was incredibly young. But I get the impression he's charismatic and like well, that's, that's, talked his way yeah, into the that's, role. That's, and uh, I know a lot of, you know, there's a reason. Charismatic. That doesn't mean that they should be in the corner training a fighter. But, uh, uh, but I get right. it. All right. It sounds like he was a good friend to Tyson when he needed yeah, a friend. Yeah, that's what I described. As that's they, what I said. But uh, yeah, so and now he's not with him anymore. But I think having that having uh, Tyson Fury validate him, he yeah, he uh, he's notoriety. now linking up with other fighters. But he's a story just it, came out on as we're talking. Yeah. And credit to boxing scene, they just produced they just print, put a story out literally while we were talking. Kyle Froch says initially he thought that the stop that the stoppage was early, but he said after speaking to Lee Wood early on Sunday, he said, "Look, I was gone. My legs were gone." Ben Davison knew Lee Wood better knows Lee Wood better than any of us. He was training camp with him. It was a compassionate move by him. Initially thought it was hasty, but looking back after listening to Lee Wood, it was the right thing to do. Yeah, but the only so, argument I, don't know if Lee I would Wood maybe, is maybe trying to prote- yeah, I, maybe. I don't know if Lee Wood's trying to protect his guy now after the fact. Maybe, maybe not. Hey, look, I did say that the trainer knows the fighter better than anyone. He's been in camp with him. Mm-hmm. He's seen him. He knows That's when right. he's hurt. He's not hurt. We don't know that. We don't know that side of him. We don't know how he reacts to getting hurt. We've never seen it before except when we're watching in a fight. He's seen it in the gym. He's seen it up close. He knows that if his fighter looks a certain way, it means A rather than B. And and he reacted to that. That's a fine. That's fine. Um, but... I would still put a butt in there. You still got the option. You still got the option that by time that they separate the fighters and by time the um, Lara crosses the ring, the bell is going to ring. If it didn't ring, it's going to ring within a second or two. Get them back to the corner. See if you revive them. See if, as, as Wood just said, that his legs still weren't there, if he still wasn't there, and then you make a decision. Okay, you know what, son? I'm not letting you go out now. I, I'm, I'm worried. This, this guy's going to come after you. You know, he smells blood in the water. He's going to be coming out after you, and it's going to take you another minute to get yourself together, and I'm not going to take a chance of the damage you might take during that minute. Beautiful. Beautiful. That, that's professional. That's compassionate. That's and professional. Everything you're supposed to be. That that's the only thing, and that's what we're here for. We're here to argue both to you know to to be the devil's advocate on both sides, on both sides, and that's what we're doing. That's all. Yeah, I mean that pretty much sums it up. Uh, nevertheless, great performance from Mauricio Lara. Uh, I think that I think I read that there was a, a rematch clause. It seems like there's a rematch clause anytime an A side fighter loses these days. Wait, wait, let's um, finish with the, the, this- the scores though. Those scores again. I know we touched on it already, but Ken, uh, let me just give a boo. 
I got to give a boo, okay? Boo <laughs> to the judges that had it 59-55. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. 58-56, 58-56, 59-55. Come on. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound like there was any chance that Lara was getting the win there, uh, no matter what happened. But, you know, I, th I do think Wood was ahead slightly. Um, but not surprisingly, the way um, Lara has fought in the past, comes on strong, takes a minute to figure his guy out. Um, but, yeah, awesome fight. Incredibly entertaining. Yeah, it was great. It was great while it lasted. I mean, you know, yep. it was great until the, until the parents showed up and said, okay, everyone out. Everybody out. <laughs> out. Out. <laughs> Music off. Pretty much. Yep. Hey, but maybe he was uh, a parent. That, maybe, again, give I'm, I'm both sides here. I'm fair, right? Both sides. Yep. You know, maybe he was the parent. The parent that knew better. Maybe he was. Yeah. Maybe he was. Yeah. Yep, yep. Fair, very fair. What? Um, that's all I got on that one. You got any final comments before we move on to the uh, upcoming fights? Um, no. I mean, I think we covered it really well. Yeah, I agree. You know, it was a great fight with a disappointing ending, but maybe it was the right ending. Maybe it was, you know. Yep. Well, we got a big one coming up Sunday. Jake Paul, Tommy Fury for the people at my bookie. Let me give you the line. I want to get your thoughts. I know we've discussed this one in the past. And yeah. uh, if anyone forgot, we discussed it. The uh, boxing media certainly won't let you forget. They love to report on what Teddy thinks about the upcoming fights. It's become a... Uh, this podcast has become an excellent source of uh, media coverage. Uh, so if you didn't watch the fights, you can tune in here and write your whole article based on Teddy's breakdown and uh, thoughts on the upcoming fights. Uh, Tommy Fury plus 122, Jake Paul minus 170. I'm taking... Line's closer than I thought. Um, how many rounds and what's the, what's the under over if they have one? They have an over-under, so we got over six and a half is at minus one eighty-six, under six and a half, plus money at plus one thirty-two. And how many rounds is the fight? I don't even know. I believe eight it's eight, eight rounds. I will confirm. I'm guessing eight. I believe it's eight rounds. Yeah. I'll confirm. Assume it's eight. Unless they went decided to go ten, but I don't I don't I don't think he made that jump yet, uh Jake to ten, did he? Uh, it is a 10-round oh, fight. See, I, I, my instinct told me, to instinct told me at the last second. Maybe he made that jump because Jake's improving. He's improving confidence-wise and ten round as a fighter. Weight. He's improving confidence. Plus, I think it's a smart move because he is improving. He is getting calmer in an uncalm environment where you won't gas out when you're calm. Um, and I think he's the stronger guy, so he might need rounds. He might need those. He's smart, Jake Paul. He might be a smart businessman. But he, he he's picking his spots pretty good, obviously. Um, and you can't blame him. You give him credit for that. I was at the fight. I was at Tommy Fury's fight against um, Anthony um, Anthony Taylor. It was a four-round fight. And Tommy Fury was completely gassed in the fourth round. Well, well, I mean, I mean gassed. Jack Paul saw that. And, and listen, again, he's a stronger guy. I think uh, physically stronger, better puncher. He's getting more mature as, they, as time goes on in the ring. He's getting with his seasoning. He's getting more confident. I believe that he thinks 
give me a couple extra rounds to use my strength, to wear this guy down. You know, maybe this guy's going to move on me. I might need a few extra rounds to cut the ring down, you know, make the ring shrink and get to him. Uh, so I think he's thinking in that way, which shows he's thinking like a fighter, which shows he's maturing and growing like a fighter. Look, I like Fury. If I was betting, I bet on, I, I, uh, not Fury, I'm sorry. I like Jake Paul. Yeah, I, if I was betting, I bet on Jake Paul. Um, I'd probably bet the over. You'd lay the 170? I'd lay the 170. And what are you getting with the under over? Over, you're laying 186. Yeah, see, they're thinking away. Over six and a half. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'd probably be careful with that, but I, I probably would tend to go towards the over if I went anywhere um, with the under over totals. But I, 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 like, I like Jake Paul to win the fight. Listen, Fury is the first boxer, pure boxer, fighter that he's fought. But he's a guy that's been protected. He's a guy that's got really a built-up record, a, a record that's a bit of an illusion. He's 8-0, right? But, you know, David Copperfield could have made this record. You know, with he's eight and oh, he's eight and oh, Teddy, with only four knockouts at his weight class. You would expect a prospect to knock out all the guys, considering how bad well, the guys the are. He fought considering his last, the level. He's had one fight, one fight beyond four rounds. He had one six rounder that went the distance that he won. Well, most and the of guy his he opponents beat have actually never, had a 10 and, 10 and one record. Well, most of his, but, I mean, yeah, I don't but, know that guy but beat. most of it, yeah, it's a built up <laughs> record, but most of it's not hard to do in boxing. But most, most of the guys that, Fury has fought. Uh, most of them didn't even have a win, and and if you put their total yeah. record together, you could do it for me. But I think they got close to two hundred losses with like twenty something wins. <laughs> Teddy he fought two guy. One guy was zero and twenty six with two draws, and oh. another guy was zero and eleven, zero and nine, zero and one. Yeah, but they were learning. He's got they four of his eight fights were against guys that never won a fight. Yeah, but they were slow learners. They were they would. They were just going to take time for them to, you know, to mature a little bit. To, to Can you get. imagine the guy with 26 losses? What do you do for work, brother? I'm a boxer. Oh, yeah, professional? Yeah. yeah. What's your record? 0-26. Oh, yeah, but here's the thing. What do you wear into the ring? Do you wear boxing trunks? No, I wear a swimming suit <laughs> because, you know, I, I go diving a lot. I go diving. Oh, so. <laughs> I wear oven mitts. Yeah. So are you a boxer? Or a well, when I'm not boxing, I'm out at the coral reefs doing a little bit of snorkeling. You know, I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm a crash test dummy. Yeah, I'm doing a little deep water, underwater, you know, observation and swimming and, you know, diving. I do a little underwater diving. But look, bottom line is he's fighting the first real boxer that's not an MMA guy that's not really old where people say he's old and he's pants himself which is true he fought a lot of guys obviously older later in their career MMA guys that weren't great known as great traditional strikers but they were real fighters they were professional fighters and he beat them and um now he's fighting a guy people ask for it be careful you don't get what you ask for people said when's he gonna fight a boxer well he picked him again. Nobody knocked Floyd Mayweather when he picked his guys pretty smart. And Floyd Mayweather's got all my respect in the world. Great fighter, but and and a great businessman at the same time, and a great matchmaker too. Um, of course, Mayweather fought real fighters. We get it, but 
he's fighting real fighters. He's being selective with it. He he picked his first boxer. He he picked a guy that, as as Jake Paul himself said, he's beaten a lot of cab drivers. And as I added to that, uh, as you know, I added to that statement. But they're not good cab drivers. You know, they're guys with suspended licenses. They're guys that don't even have a license. They're, they're guys that run their car into poles. I mean, you know, so, but he is a fighter. He comes from a boxing family, Fury. He's got a boxing lineage to him. Um, I don't know how many amateur fights he had, but I've seen enough tape on him to see that he knows his way around the ring. He knows how to look like a fighter. Does he know how to behave like a fighter when it becomes a real fight? I don't know because he hasn't been in a real fight yet. So I don't know if he does. I know that Jake Paul does. Yeah, I'm not making him, believe me, I'm not making him, you know, uh, Roberto Duran. Don't get, don't get crazy out there. I'm not going crazy, but I, I know he knows how to behave a fight. I've seen him get tested enough to know that Jake Paul knows how to behave like a fight. Again, maybe Fury does, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that he does, but you can't really assume until you know. And he knows how to look like a fighter. He knows how to move around the ring. He knows how to you know, throw some good counter punches and put some punches together. He knows how to do all of that. But he, does he know when the moment comes how to bite down and be a fighter? Uh, Jake Paul doesn't think he does. That's part of why he's taking this fight in his mind. I guarantee you. And another thing that from the physical attributes and the physical side of it where you can handicap that stuff and you look at that stuff when you're picking an opponent, Fury's not a puncher. Paul's the better puncher Clearly. in this fight. Fury's not a puncher. Um, he's a guy who'll probably try to use the ring, use his boxing skills, and Paul's physically, I think, very superior physically to Fury in certain areas, like physical strength. So I think that Paul's going to look to cut the ring down. That's why he wants the extra rounds, probably try to get a small ring. I would if I was him. He's, he's the golden goose. He's the money guy. He's the guy bringing the money. I demand a smaller ring, as small as I could get. I'd get a phone booth if I could. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and now he's going he's gonna to look to cut the ring down. He's going he's gonna to have to use a jab, maybe the jab to the chest of Paul to stabilize him so he can't pot shot him. Try to go to the body of the, of the less physical man. If I was Paul, that's what I would do. And try to impose my physicality on him and my will. I would believe I got the stronger will. I'm stronger physically. I'm going to make this fight that kind of fight. That's what I would expect Paul to do against Fury. And of course, Fury's going to say, hey, I'm going to expose the guy. I'm going to box. You know, I'm going to frustrate him. I'm going to move around. I'm going to use the ring. I'm going to pot shot. We'll see. As I said, I think I broke it down. I think I went into all the dimensions that have to be gone into uh, to give our fans out there a peek at what I think the fight uh, could be portraying. I'm, I'm, going with, I'm going with Paul. I think that uh, he knows exactly why he picked this guy. And... Um, He's gonna be. He's gonna come out on top. 
God knows he's been chasing him long enough. They've tried to make this fight three or four times, it seems like. And uh, after listening to that breakdown, I think I might have to throw a few shekels on Paul myself, and I'm going to do it with my bookie. Check him out at mybookie.ag. If you use the promo code ATLAS, they'll give you a 50% credit up to 1000 bucks on your first deposit. So you deposit two grand, they'll give you another 1000 to bet with. Go to mybookie.ag. Right now, the line on my bookie is Fury plus 122, Paul minus 160. 70 and the over under is uh, over six and a half minus 186 under six and a half plus 132 bet responsibly don't bet money you can't afford to lose use your head and uh, but if you like what you hear go over to my bookie if you're going to make a bet and check them out at mybookie.ag use promo code Alice and the best way to do it if you could might be hard might be hard because he he basically he basically uh, lives on a compound but if you could borrow the money from Ken and then bet with that money, that that <laughs> might be... I love... <laughs> that might be, but it'd be hard to get to him, though. It'd be hard to get to him. You better come up with a go GoFundMe strategy. Asking me to borrow money to make a bet would be a yeah, tough yeah, ask. That would be telling a, me that you're down Ken's on your luck and you have some sob story. A little, <laughs> a little too sharp for that. Um, wouldn't be the first. Wouldn't be the first time friends from Boston have asked me to uh, make a loan. One time, a guy asked me to make a loan so he could get into a card game, and he would give me a percentage of the winning. I literally was like, "Are you doing drugs right now? Are you insane? Can I give you money to get into a card I, game?" No, I think. Come on, I think brother. I'm just gonna go buy a hundred dollars worth of lottery and 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll scratch tickets. I'll be in. I think as good a place <laughs> as uh, as I would with that. Um, but, or I take the money and light it on fire because it's the same thing. Yeah, I would. And it won't frustrate me when you tell me you're not paying me back. That doesn't make you the amazing Creskin to come up with that, <laughs> that way of thinking. But yes, I would. Yeah. I would tend to go with you, Mister Kenneth, uh, on yep. that one. And I think we got one more to give a little preview of. I think we touched on it yep. once before, but um, take it away, baby. Yeah. I would say for this, like you said it earlier, um, John Johnny Bones Jones, uh, for my money, he's the best fighter in the history of the UFC. And I think that more people would think that exact thing if he didn't have so many off the field um, issues with the hit and run, the drugs. I mean, the allegations and oh, actually suspension from performance enhancers. I like John Jones a lot. I think he struggles with a lot of demons. And listen, not not for me to throw stones. Like I have my own problems and I've dealt with my own issues. But I think if John doesn't have the off-field issues with the domestic abuse, the, the it's umpteen arrests, and I feel bad for him because he's clearly struggling with some issues. But I think when he's on his game, if you take out the personal stuff and you just look at him in the ring, he's a, he's a wrecking ball. When he's on, when he's focused and prepared for a fight, I think he's the best there ever was. He's he can wrestle, he can punch, he can kick. He's got everything. Uh the guy is unstoppable. If he wins this title at heavyweight, I just don't know what stops him from being like the greatest of all time, but you know, that's always an interesting debate. What do you like in this surreal Gan matchup? Look, surreal Gan the way Francis and Gano, who we love Francis, but he's not known for his wrestling prowess. And as soon as Gan started to get to Francis a little, even with Francis's bad knee, he basically won the fight in a wrestling match. I think John Jones wrestling against anyone at any weight he's going to dominate and if surreal gone if he sees what francis did with surreal i think if surreal has any success on the feet early other than catching john with a clean shot john takes him to the ground and just like dominates him like it's easy easy work i think for john what do you think 
Well, obviously, John has a lot at risk, so he's probably thinking along your lines because he's got the confidence of great fighters, belief that they can beat anyone. And he's got a lot to lose because he does have that, you know, reputation, that stature right now of being the greatest of all time or one of the greatest. For me, Anderson Silva is my greatest of all time, right there with John Jones. And I'll put in two other names. Khabib. We can't forget Khabib. Khabib should be up there with greatest of all time. John Jones, Anderson Silva again. That's my and and SSP. Am I saying it right? SSP. GSP. 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 The guy from Canada, um, Saint Pierre. Um, he. The only thing I will say I'll add about those guys from the past, and this was a funny one. I saw an interview with Anderson Silver, and he's in his house, and he's doing an interview, and of course the eagle eyes on on uh, Reddit on the internet did a freeze frame and they're like stop right there look on john look on anderson's shelf that's hgh that's your growth hormone on his shelf no question about it and you zoom in and sure enough there it is but i think until usada came into the ufc i think it was fair game that everyone was not it was not only accepted but encouraged that everyone was taking performance enhancers so that to me always has a bit of a cloud but i would argue that you know if he was have, doing it everyone was like t- did he ever get caught yeah. Did he ever get? Did he ever get tested? Where they? That's a good question. I I think. Let me let me because let, if he let was me never look. tested, I'm not saying issue. that you. It's good if you never got caught. I'm not for the people out there yeah. that want to go nuts. But I'm just saying, uh, there's been plenty of people in boxing and in this that have been caught. Plenty of them. Canelo's one of them. Let's be honest here. You know, he had that bad hamburger. Uh, so he had that Silva. bad hamburger and, over in Mexico. <laughs> you, you remember that? Anderson's. Yeah. Anderson Silva got popped for PEDs in 2015, shortly after his defeat of Nick Diaz at UFC 183. The 45-year-old Silva was found once again to have failed a test with USADA before his scheduled fight with Kelvin Gastelum. How old was he? How old was he? He says, I don't regret anything because everything has... I think he's 45 now, but I don't think he was 45 when he got tested for it. He said he has no regrets about his past suspension for drug enhanced for performance enhancing drugs. Going on to say that it likely his last fight. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, he's is uh, on a record with look, a couple look. Look, look. I don't uh, condone cheating. And nobody wants to cheat. Nobody, nobody wants to cheat. There's a lot of controversy right now out there floating around uh, whether or not Makachev, who I think is great, um, but I also think Volkanovski is really great, great, great. Um, there's yep. controversy floating around now whether or not oh, about the IV. Yeah, whether or not he yeah. took an illegal IV bef- after the weigh-in, Makachev being he, um, you know, to to rehydrate, which is illegal. You know, and we know he's That's had right. trouble making weight in the past. We know that he's a big, big guy. He was much bigger than Volkanovski. Um, but you know, it's in the air. It's in the air. We don't know for sure. But look, at the end of the day. You still got to go in that octagon. You still got to go in that 100%. ring. You still got to do it. You still got to face uh, the things you got to face, the dangers that you got to face, the demons that come at you, the ninjas that come over the wall. You still got to be special. And these guys are special, you know. Uh, and John Jones is as special as any of them. So as far as breaking this fight down, because of touching on because of where you led me, uh, Jones has more to lose than anybody because it's not too often that you are being labeled the the king of kings that you're being labeled the greatest of all time and he'll lose that probably 
if he doesn't win this, even though he's got a lot of things going against him in this, with, starting with inactivity. I find it very, nobody's really talked about that, that this guy has been inactive now for three years. Three years since Jones been in the ring. That has to have an impact. Has to have an impact on him because one of the, attributes that makes Jones so special is his athleticism, right? Would you, you'd agree, wouldn't you, with that, Ken? That, oh, that yeah. he's a superior... Oh, he comes from a superior athletic family with, with just great genetics in the NFL, football. I mean, his family is just... My son, Teddy, told me this at first. He said, Dad, it's incredible the genetics in that family. So... Well, remember Chandler Jones, remember Chandler Jones uh, for the Raiders... On the end of the at the end of the game of the Patriots, the Patriots made a bonehead play. They threw the ball. Chandler Jones got it. He ran over the quarterback Mac Jones like Mac yeah. Jones was an infant. He practically stepped on his chest going through. Well, he was, was an like, infant compared to compared to this guy. <laughs> but the point I'm making, they're freaks, is that he part of what makes him so great is his athleticism. His his genetically God given, you know, parent uh, given. Uh, genetics that and he's worked his backside to take those genetics and form them into something great and he has but that athleticism that separates him has to be compromised after a three-year layoff and you know what i'm going to use for exhibit a to make my point with that ken Another fight that was highly anticipated years ago, a, a fight that at the time was amongst the two greatest to be the greatest, and it was also for the heavyweight title, but it was in my sport, in boxing. It was Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier, the fight of the century, the first fight of the two. Ali was coming off the great undefeated Ali, was fighting the great undefeated Joe Frazier. Ali was thought of as the greatest, he was coming off three and a half year inactivity for his refusal to be inducted into the army, you know, during the Vietnam War because of his religious beliefs. And he lost three and a half years of, of his prime. And he was not athletic. What separated him up to that time was his athleticism. His confidence, everything else, his skills, his timing, I get it. But he was athletically superior, Ali is he, to everyone else, Ken, everyone else. And now he came into the ring, three and a half year layoff with Joe Frazier, and he athletically was not, he was not the same athlete. All right, let me get right yeah, to it. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. He was not the same athlete. And he lost. It was a great fight. He, he was special in, in his effort. If only a special fighter like him could give the effort he gave against Joe Frazier at that period when Joe Frazier was really good but and 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 active and young uh, and he was just a he was a machine Joe Frazier he was a punching left hooking machine that only knew one direction forward one way destroy you body and head but Ali fought a hell of a fight but he lost he was not the he his Ability to be elusive was sapped from him. His his agility was greatly diminished. His speed was tarnished. He was not the same fighter. And if some of those things, and I think you'd have to assume that some of them will happen because, you know, it happens because nobody beats, you know, old man time. No, I mean, 
there's certain things that are just consistent. I mean, you're a great athlete and you're away for three years. You're going to be compromised. Your, your athleticism, some of it is going to be lost. I think it comes down to how much of it is lost with Jones. How much? Just like with Ali, with Frazier. Now, here's a big difference with the styles of Gahn and Frazier. When Jones was, when uh, Ali was fighting Frazier, his style was the opposite of Gahn. It was all physical. It was all brute force and strength and pressure coming forward. Gahn is not that guy. He's a big, strong guy, bigger than Jones, naturally bigger. That's part of what makes this such a great mystique to this fight. Can the smaller man beat the great bigger man? Yeah, Gan is big, but he's not the physical force that a Joe Frazier style would bring or even a Francis Ngannou would bring. He's more cerebral. He's more sophisticated. He's more like Jones in some ways, just a bigger version. He, he's, he's more about finesse. He's more about athleticism. He's agile. He's elusive. He's all those things gone. So it's very interesting. Can Jones, with three years old, uh, away from the, from the game, three years off, can he still put forward the athletic effort he will need to, but maybe he won't need to in some of those Areas that have been diminished as far as pure physical areas. Maybe his experience, his confidence, his cerebralness, his ability to have an advantage, maybe even with a bigger man on the floor, if he could get him to the floor as you proposed and get him to grappling, get him to that place where he's superior and should be superior and has superior talents and skills than Gan does. Maybe maybe he can do that, but maybe he he gets away with certain where even though he's been diminished in those athletic areas, maybe being that he's fighting a guy who's very athletic, maybe he wants to turn it into a physical. How interesting is that as I'm speaking, that maybe the smaller guy will want to turn it into less athletic and more physical and get him on the floor. Maybe that'd be his approach. I've just already yeah. given you like five different ways and reasons why you should watch this fight. Really? Because you can For make sure. so many arguments how it could go, which way it could go, who could win. It's so interesting. It really is. Because at the end of the day, the thing that that really I I my mind goes to is that Gan, even though he's the bigger guy and he should have that advantage of what bigger guys have, right? Physically strong, pick him up, throw him out of the ring, like Hulk Hogan did, you know, to <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, right? WWE. And, and, and Rocky yeah. or whatever. Well, but uh, again, Gan is more of what the athletic guy, he's more of kind of like what Ali was, like what I was describing. He, he's, he's a boxer. He, he's, he's got good finesse. He's very sophisticated with his approach, with his style, with his skill. He's elusive. So maybe because of that, Jones does, the tiny little Jones, right? The Jones that could. Maybe, maybe he <laughs> goes and he 
takes him to the floor. I, I'm I'm more excited about this watching this fight and going to be part of this fight uh, with ESPN when I go out there with Charlie Monahan and Anthony Smith and all those guys to to the UFC fight in Vegas. I'm more excited about it now than than I was when I came on this broadcast before I started breaking it down. <laughs> I'm serious. I really am. I completely agree. I think that there's so much intrigue with this fight. You know what's crazy? I'm looking at the I'm looking at the um, record of John Jones. Listen to these stats. I mean, just pull up his record. 15 title fight wins in a row. 18 wins in a row. 26 and 1 is only losses a DQ he's to a Matt Hamill that was massively he's controversial. This guy, he's a wrecking ball. No one's even, I mean, I would argue that the fights he had that were close against Dominic Reyes, I mean, look what he did to DC. DC's a legend, a double champ. John handled him easily. But Ali was, John Ali was handling a lot of guys with his speed, yeah. with his boxing no, ability. You. You, you know, he wasn't a guy that, that ran over you physically, but with his speed, and everything, he was in a different class. And then what happens? What happens? He goes away for three and a half years. He comes back and he's not quite the same Fighter, what is Jones going to be? You know, that's a big part of this. You almost should have Monty Hall as the ring announcer. Remember the guy from Let's Make a Deal where he had the curtains? What's behind <laughs> curtain number one? Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got behind curtain number two. What do you got behind Ken Rideout? What's behind curtain number three? I mean, Monty Hall, you almost need him instead of whoever the hell the ring announcer. They got all different kinds now, uh, Buffalo, whatever. Uh, maybe you need that kind of guy now to see, to bring out, bring him out. You want promotion? I'm going to give you an idea out there, you guys. Uh, not that Dana White needs any ideas. He's pretty uh, damn good. I think he's doing pretty good. I think Dana White's doing good. <laughs> he doesn't need any advice from Teddy Atlas, but... Bring them out there. They're doing all these things with smoke, and with, you know they come out in all different uh, uh, outfits <laughs> on, and, A fog and all kinds of crazy stuff. Why not bring them out and put them behind, you know, three different curtains and have like a Monty Hall, you know, uh, you know, look alike. Say, okay, which John Jones will we get? Will it be the one behind curtain number one? And then show, and then show a quick clip of what he, how he destroyed everybody, like you talked about, you know. For the guys at my bookie, John Jones minus one sixty six, surreal gone plus one thirty one, no over under. What do you like? I think that you got to lay the money there with John Jones you know until what? someone beats him. I got to lay yeah, whatever. But they don't ask. forget the three years. Don't forget the three years. Don't forget the I know. three years. I'm with if you. Gone, Without the three gone years, he's like a three to one strike. favorite. Jones is damn good everywhere, striking everything. But if Gone can keep it striking, and he's the guy who's been active, and he's the guy whose reflexes are going to be more in tune, let's say, because he's been active, and the other guy's coming out of the mothballs, right? If, if Gone can keep it on his feet, and make it a purely a striking match. Gone probably has a good chance to win. Gone probably has a good chance to win. This is a tough one. This is a tough, but if you're just a believer, if you're more, and it's probably more from the Teddy Atlas school. If you're more just a believer, when somebody's great, they're great to their to it's to you know it's over. That they're great. That yep. they find a way to be great again when they have to. If you're from that school, then you go and you lay it and you bet on John Jones. Yep. That's that's what I'm thinking. Until someone beats John Jones, you'd feel pretty silly laying, uh, making a bet on anyone to beat him until he. No, 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 no. I disagree with not in this one because if if anyone, 
if anything lined up right for him to finally yeah. lose, it's it's the it's all the things we just touched on. It's the time yeah. off, and it's the guy that he's in there with. This the the for sure the, the ability of this guy. I agree with everything you're saying, but I go back to that old school thought of until someone beats him, I can't bet against him. Until yeah. until proven otherwise, I just keep laying wood on on John Jones. You know, I, I um, be interesting to see how motivated he is. Well, he's got to be because again, forget about money for a second. We we never forget about money. I get it, but. 15 uh, title the, fights in a row. Is, if he doesn't have, is if he isn't one, have a house built but, out of gold, it's yeah, crazy. But, but this is the one everyone needs more money, even you. But this is the mm-hmm. one, almost everyone, uh, except you. <laughs> but this is the one where the one thing that money can't buy, like that commercial, you know, how much for popcorn at a game you go with your father, how much for beer, how much for a pretzel, how much for this, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> but how much for the experience? Priceless, priceless. priceless. And you know what's priceless? Yep. John Jones having, having that stature, have, having that place as the greatest of all time. That's priceless. That's priceless. Along those lines, if this wasn't, if any, if there was, if I had a race anywhere other than Tokyo, which was a pain in the neck to get into and to go to and to play, it would have been great to have that, you I'd and Rob there with me for this come. one. I know. Because, because Charlie's Pissed. got it all set up where we're going to be down there. I saying know. Hello Don't make things. me feel worse. Oh, I'm sorry. Now you're just rubbing it no, in. No, I'm not rubbing You know I want to no, you know no, I want to be there. No, but if that hamstring gets any worse, just cancel the away. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest with you, you know what's crazy? I got my re- I got my bib number and they have corral assignments because there's so what many What number, people. buddy? Oh, it's horrible. 35077 oh, and uh they they have me they have me like 3 well, corral in the third numbers, corral. They have me in the third corral, which normally I would, I, in Berlin, in every major marathon in the last 17 months, I've been first or second in my age group. I won the Masters in New York. I've been in the pro field or the semi-elite field nah, with the pros. They don't know who you are now I get Tokyo? To, I, Come on. Teddy, I Come emailed on. him. I said, hey, I think, I think this is a mistake. Yeah, a mistake. Like, I've been I in the top so 100. They email me back and say, sorry, we don't make any exceptions. The rules and everything, and the, the, the rigmarole you have to go through with this marathon is crazy. But I was telling Rob before we came on, I said, okay, I tried the first line of defense, the regular route. Hey, I help desk. I think there's a mistake. They were like, nope, it's not a mistake. We don't make any exceptions. So I said to Rob, the poor race director is about to get hit with about 10 or 20 emails from agents, sponsors, pro athletes, race director from boss. I've called everyone to try and help fix this because starting a race 2,000 people deep yeah, in the that's, field that's, when that's, I normally have started standing on the that's start awful. line. That's a lot of people yeah, to get. Oh, it's a nightmare. That's rough. It's like causing me so much anxiety. That's you know, I like, but you know what? I can't remember to, which horse it was. I'll put it up to Rob. But there was a horse in the Kentucky Derby years ago, I think, where he was like, uh, there was like a, too many horses in the field. It was like 24 horses. Yeah. Crazy. And mm-hmm. and he was like the worst post position you could have, like all the way in the back of the 24. And you know what? He worked his way up, worked his way up, worked his way up. And he won the Kentucky Derby, just like my man Ken Rideout is going to do whatever it is, whatever it is. If the agents get it worked out, beautiful. If they don't, guess what? You'll find a way. You'll find a way. You know what? The mistakes that I've made previously always in every single race is running too fast in the first half and then hanging on in the back half. And sometimes I can hold on and have a respectable time. 
but I've never gotten it right where I've ran, run like 115 for the first half, which would be really slow for me, and then a 113 on the back half. I've gone 113, 115, 114, 115, but I've never gotten it right. So I'm going to look at it like, that. okay, maybe this will force me to ease that. into it and 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 get through halfway around 115, 114, and then come out with a 112, 113. No, I want to get just under 228. I'd love to run 227. That would be my new PR, and that's the goal for that. And we'll talk about more about it next week. See, we'll now you know what you're doing right now. Week. You're thinking the way that I want you to think. The way winners think. No, 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 really. The way yeah, winners think. No, you're right. Good. You're right. I just you have to, and, and I think that that's a good lesson for everyone in everything is like, you've said this before, and I've tried to like echo this anytime I've spoken to anyone about nerves, especially with my youngest son, who's really getting into the jujitsu now. I said, everyone is always feeling the same thing because we're all nervous, but the things that you can imagine that can happen are countless. And oh, you could break your leg. The There's guy could no punch control you in the mouth. over you could that. Twirp. Uh, there's control the over reality. Reality, is, reality only certain yeah. things can happen. That's it. That's yep. it. That's what yeah. you got to remind yourself. The the yep. enemy, the ninjas over the wall, is the imagination because there's no roof on that. There's no limit on that. That that could destroy you. That could, and I want to make before we finish this. I think it was a great episode. It was great conversation. I think we touched on a lot of things. I hope the people really enjoy this one. Um, I hope they enjoy all of them, but I think they really enjoy this one. But. There's one other lesson, and you touched on it early, and I didn't jump on it, and it's about Lara. Controversy or not, he won the title. He, he had to go over there to, to England to win the title. He won the title. He's a champion. He looks like a guy who could stay a champion for a while, but here's the thing. You touched on it when you were going over his early record. He lost. He got knocked out in the two. First fight. Uh, he, no, I think he lost the draw his first fight, and then I think he got knocked out in the second or third fight. I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Either way, it doesn't matter. Give me one second. doesn't matter much. No, but I, I want to check because I think it was the first one. Let me just check. Hold on. Um, the other thing I was going to say is... Um, hang on Check on that second. because I want to finish that Lara. point. Yeah. Mauricio Lara, uh, he lost by a split decision yeah. in his All very right. first fight, yeah. and then he got knocked yeah. out in Second, his tenth fight. fight. All right, look, here's a guy who's champion of the world. He's on top of the world. He got knocked out. He get, he lost his first fight out of the gate. You know, all the dreams, everything else, right? And you're going to be undefeated, whatever. He loses. Then he gets knocked out in his tenth fight. Again, you know, he could have felt sorry for himself. He could have let go of his dreams, everything, whatever. Made excuses, whatever. He could have went the wrong way. He went the right way. So, again, always lessons in life all around us. All you have to do is look. All you have to do is look and grab a few of those lessons. And we try to give them, too. There's lessons all the time. We just try to bring them a little bit more out to, to the public consumption so you can look at it and look at a guy like Lara and say oh yeah I had I had some difficulty I'm starting out with a new business I'm starting with with new classes I'm starting with you know in baseball I'm trying out for the team I didn't make the cut whatever I'm trying out for the for the acting class I didn't make it I wasn't picked to be to do the the play I wanted to do in school whatever the hell it is that you can look at all these guys that They're now champions, that they went through the same travels. They went through the same failures early. But there's one thing that they all have consistently the same. 
They didn't give up. They didn't give up. They kept showing up. And they up. kept showing up and they learned from their mistakes. They learned. They improved. They kept showing. They didn't give up. All right. That's it. The other thing I'll say about that is if you're starting something new, like when my son was doing jujitsu, I'm sorry to keep using that example, but that's the only one that's trying something right, new in, great. in my house. But I would say this, and, to your, and, and you can attest to this. And I use Mike Tyson as an example because people view him as like one of the scariest, baddest fighters ever. At some point, Mike Tyson was the new guy in the gym. And you were there and you know if he comes in and gets scared and uh, what was Bobby's name? The, uh, the, the, the trainer that brought him into you, the, uh, the, the correction officer. Uh, um, the, what's his name? Um, Bobby, um, the fighter. Uh, no, no, I know who he is, obviously. He was up there, came, brought him over to us. Um, uh, Irish kid. Yeah. Yeah, he he had fourteen pro fights. He was a national amateur champion, actually. Um, yeah, Stewart. Yeah. Bobby Stewart. Bobby Stewart. You know, punches him in the body, drops him. If he could have easily been like, you know what, this is embarrassing, and I don't want to do it. But if you're afraid to get embarrassed and learn something new, everyone has their first day at something new. So. You know, like Teddy said, if you're struggling with something, you're nervous about something, forget it. Everyone started in the same place. You can't be great without taking the first step. And along those lines, the great Anthony Stitt, the writer from the boxing writer for Forbes magazine, last um, a few months ago, he wrote an article about all the things that I've learned from you that have used that to apply to my own running. And listen, I, I don't. I don't uh, pretend to be in the same category with all these great fighters, but I will say I've turned myself into a champion, a marathon champion and won multiple races. And a lot of that has to do with mental strength that I've gained from listening to the wisdom that Teddy's dropped on this podcast. And uh, Anthony Stitt picked up on that and wrote a beautiful article in uh, Forbes. So thanks to Anthony. But if anyone wants to see that, uh, maybe Rob can put it in the, in the show notes. It's a great article. And uh, Anthony, all credit to Anthony. And of course to Teddy for sharing all these lessons. And uh, if you listen and you take them to heart, like you can apply them to your life. This is like he said at the beginning of this podcast, connecting the dots of life and using the uh, lessons learned in fighting to apply it to your everyday life. Life. It all it all ties together. Yep. Listen, I'll finish with this. You always take me somewhere, Ken, because you're brilliant. And you mentioned as one of the original intimidators that people thought that was like Darth Vader, you know, the original boogeyman was Mike Tyson. But the original ones, there were original ones um, in my sport. And as much as Tyson was that guy, no doubt about it, he scared the hell out of people before they get, got in the ring. But the ones before that for me was Sonny Liston. Boy, oh boy, he was, he, he was maybe the real original intimidator in that way. And he could fight, and he could punch, just like Tyson. And then, of course, after Sonny Liston, I think they all took from Sonny a little bit, including this guy who became tremendous fighter human being everything george foreman um those guys were in in many ways kind of kind of the blueprint in some ways for tyson to kind of take from as far as those intimidating type you know characteristics to help him uh scare guys a little bit of course you got to be able to fight if you can't fight it ain't gonna it ain't gonna help you in the long run um and only help you early on with certain guys that you don't need it, but eventually you got to have to fight as Tyson could. 
But and then there was one other one, but he's not in the heavyweight division as an original intimidator when he was young, when he was at his best. Take a guess who that would be, Ken. I got a feeling you might be able to guess. Because I want the audience to be with me now. As I'm saying this, I want the audience thinking right now, yeah, who's Teddy talking about? The original, not a heavyweight, the original intimidator that people could have, if they wanted to become an intimidator, as far and a great fighter, of course, uh, they would have they would have looked at him. Oh, man, there's so many great ones. And when we start when getting I tell too you, far you're back gonna go, in history, yeah. you lose me. Hanson Stone? Oh, uh, Roberto Duran. Roberto Duran. When he was at his peak. Yeah, he, was, he, was a, uh, he was a scary, he crazy call, guy, too. Remember the things he would do to Sugar he, Ray Leonard? He had those calls. Before that, with De Jesus, with that's the bond De Jesus, with guys before, because De Jesus was the first guy to beat him. He had a, over 50 wins before he lost to, somewhere around there, before he lost the fight to De Jesus. Then he knocked him out in a rematch. But, and De Jesus was a good fighter. But, um, he had those coal eyes, coal. They were like, they, they were like bottom, bottomless pits. It scared the hell Actually, out of people. You know people who's like that? Into those eyes, really. Did. You know who's like that now? Terrence Crawford. I yeah, think he, Terrence Crawford a is example. a mean, mean, no, he is. aggressive That's a good example, guy. actually. He is. He's a very. He, he's the real deal, and he and he's a junkyard. He just great he's a junkyard. When he was he's a <laughs> junkyard dog. When it comes down to yeah. that quality of being just a mean son of a gun and a, and a <laughs> guy that ain't gonna give no quarter in that ring. And Regis, Regis pointed that out. Regis Prograde, when he was on the show, he said, we were asking about Spence Crawford. What do you think? He's like, I could go either way. He goes, man, but Crawford is a mean bastard. That guy is no, a mean, is. intimidating no, no, guy. Is but in the, the nicest way, he's a nice guy. He's, he's always been a gentleman to us. We've had him on oh, the yeah. show, if anyone's interested in looking for that. But, uh, and we were talking about, I'll close with this. We were talking about, um, it's my third close of the day, by the way. Uh, I was talking, we were talking about Jake Paul earlier. We've had him on our show so go back and look at that interview if you want to know more about jake paul that's right jake paul uh dana white we've had a who's who dc vander holyfield take your pick we've had some killers on this show sometimes when i'm talking to people and they're like oh your show yeah okay blah 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 i go who, who have you had on the show i start rattling off the names and even i'm like holy crap we've had some legends yeah. man we have had some incredible guests but um that was a pretty thorough breakdown for a slow Stephen week, a. Teddy. Smith. Thank you for doing that. I had to throw that. him out there. I don't know. I, oh, yeah, of course. My, Jim Gray. He's my brother from another mother. Um, Jim Gray. Jim Gray with the great book that he's got out there, The uh, Greatest Goats of All Time, whatever. Yeah, and let me say this. Stephen A. Smith's book, I listened to yeah, it just on came out uh, with Audible. It. Oh, it's, my it's gotta God. Be good. And I'll tell you it's got to be good. I'll tell you one thing I loved is him giving a shout out to uh, our man Jamie Horowitz, who was an exec at ESPN, who was really helpful. And Stephen Smith said to him one time, hey, there's not really a lot of diversity on this show. Like a week later, Jamie was like, what do you need? Jamie was just the kind of guy. He's been such a good friend to me. He's uh, Jamie Horowitz is a good person, used to run Fox Sports. He's now the head of uh, Peyton Manning's Omaha production. He's just a good person. He can be a little Hollywood and sometimes doesn't report, respond to a text right away because then I'll say to him, hey, F.O., don't don't give me this Hollywood crap F, and ignore my text. Off? This is the third. Did you say F.O.? <laughs> no. Oh, F.O. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, FO. <laughs> I know. I mean, uh, in, some, in, in some areas, right, Sam? Some some areas, you know, there's certain parts of the world, certain areas where they yeah, could be. Yeah, the letter FO. I'm talking about the word F ending with O, like a, uh, like a description of someone. Hey, FO. Don't ignore my text. I know you're Hollywood hey. big time. I see him at the, he's at the Super Bowl. He's at the, down on the field. He's a big but shot. But I'll go with so this one. I got to remind him. about that one from all over different quarters of the world. I'll go with the one from Staten Island, the one from Brooklyn anytime. Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. Ken, Sometimes forget these about Hollywood it, guys Ken. can get a little too big for their britches, and you got to remind this them was a great he's from the nice part of... Uh, he said, you're, hey, we're All I know is since I, said, I met yeah. you, your Rolodex has gotten larger. That's all I know. hundred larger. Hey, someday, someday when I win an Oscar or an Emmy, I'm going to say, where's Teddy? Without Teddy, I can't get arrested. No one knows me and no one cares. And then somebody's going to whisper in your ear. is my man. Somebody's going to whisper in your um, you you didn't invite him. You only had you, you, <laughs> you only had you, you, <laughs> you only got five uh, tickets and and, and, and I'd he, say hey he six, if I've got one ticket one if I say one ticket I say to my wife shall no offense no offense but without enough for all the kids you're better off staying home with them I gotta invite Teddy without Teddy no one knows me. Listen, this was a great show. Um, I enjoyed it. I think we covered a lot of stuff. Um, and this was a fun one. And I'm not gonna finish by saying fo. I'm just gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say that I send nothing but good thoughts and love to all our fans out there. Um, and I send good thoughts to even the ones that uh, don't love us <laughs> back the way that we love you. Um, I still um, yep. I, I try to I want to be better. I want to be better. So people who don't have love for others really have a problem with themselves. Because when you're happy with yourself, it's hard to be upset with other people. Good. Good way to end it. And uh, Ken, continue your great training. Take care of those hamstrings. Um, you know, all kidding aside, make sure you're taking care of that side of it. Make sure you're hydrating right. Make sure that you're getting enough potassium. Uh, make sure you get get a massage. Seriously. I mean, get, get, get yeah. a massage. Get the right kind. The right one. You know who to find. But get, get a massage. Yep, I've been doing everything. I've got to get treatment tonight on the uh, hamstring again. But um, with that, guys, thanks for being with us. We'll be back next week. Special episode. I'll be coming to you live from Tokyo. We'll have to adjust our schedules here because of the time difference. But super excited to discuss the uh, Jake Paul fight next week. Really looking forward to that. Yeah, I could just see it while you're over there. What are you going to be doing during your spare time? Watching Godzilla movies? I mean... Uh, yeah, chilling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Taking it easy. Feet up. Because that's no, the original no Godzilla way. It started with uh, from Japan, yeah. I believe. I mean, <laughs> Tokyo, Tokyo, yeah, that's right. I When I get to these races like this, uh, honestly, I'm just lazy. I just want to like... I. You know, when, you know how it is. You yeah. have four kids. I'm busy all the time. The thought of being alone by myself in a nice hotel someday, I just want to sit there and watch TV and be lazy. Uh-huh. And uh, so I look to do that, try and decompress. I'll do a little sightseeing. I've got some friends to see over Beautiful. there. And uh, I'm excited. Ken's but got anyway, friends guys, everywhere, guys. Thank you. You can see that. All right, listen. <laughs> have a safe trip. All, all kidding aside. All right. I'll see you guys next week from Tokyo. Thanks for being with us. 